I believe the Lord is increasing our capacity to be more filled with Him. How about you? I believe it. Thank you, Lord. Say it with me. There's a flood coming. You know what a flood is, don't you? A flood is where it's a high water stage in which water overflows its natural or artificial banks onto what would normally be dry ground, such as a river. Amen? The flood of the Spirit is in this place tonight. Well, we're going to uh, go ahead and dismiss the children's ministry. We're really thankful that we have class for the kids, and some good things are coming up, even beyond this series. But tonight I want to I wanna rehearse a few things that we, we talked about, about the cross. Thank you, guys. I want to start out with a couple of quotes. Billy Graham says this, In the cross of Christ I see three things. First, a description of the depth of man's sin. Secondly, the overwhelmingly love of God. And thirdly, the only way of salvation. Now we're in this time of year where this is Holy Week, Good Friday's coming. And then on Easter Sunday we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to encourage you to invite people. It's going to be a glorious time. Tremendous music. Good preaching. We're going to have ourselves a time. Martin Luther said way back in 1530, he says, Either sin is with you, lying on your shoulders, or it is lying on Christ, the Lamb of God. Now, if it's lying on your back, you're lost. But if it's resting on Christ, you are free. And you will be saved. Now choose what you want. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We gave this illustration back in 1867. Russia and the U.S. came to a treaty agreement that Russia sold the United States of America, that wonderful vast land of Alaska, for about two cents an acre. 7.2 million for over 586,000 square miles. That's an amazing, an amazing exchange, a very lopsided exchange. But the most one-sided trade and exchange that ever took place was ratified in blood nearly 2,000 years ago. The covenant was between God and His Son, perfection with perfection. We're going to talk just a little while tonight on the great exchanges. Now, if you've been in the Sunday morning services, some of this will be familiar to you, and then we're going to, going to move on to a couple other areas. But let me just review, number one, the first and most wonderful exchange, I believe, that took place is our sinfulness for His righteousness. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And so on Calvary, there's a perfectly righteous man, hangs there willingly to exchange, amen. He says, give me your sinfulness, and I'll give you my righteousness. And we have learned that righteousness is a free gift. It's not something that you attain to by works. It's something that you just receive. For by grace are we saved through faith. The second exchange that we've looked at is our shame for His glory. 
I want you to notice with me in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, if you would, this evening. So open your Bibles there in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, uh, verse 1 and 2. Thank you, Lord. He says, Wherefore, seeing we are also encompassed with about so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So all of us are in a race. Amen. We were trying to race to get here tonight, and I about lost my patience. Because every light was turning yellow as we got up to it. But you know, thank God, in your patience you will possess your soul. Thank God, count it all joy. Now that's not a big test, but things do try our patience. But we have a race, and God says, now listen... I want you to run this race, but you'll never run it accurately or the way that I want you to run it if you're not going to be patient. Now notice with me in verse 2. He said over here, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Now notice this. He endured the cross, despising the what? And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he took your shame and he took my shame and it was a joy for him to do so because he saw down through the corridor of time and he saw you, he saw me, he saw millions and billions of other people that would receive his glory instead of having shame in their life anymore. Amen? He was rejected of men and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Jesus spoke and he said, the stone which the builders rejected. And so we see that he was rejected so that you and I, amen, could be accepted. The third area that we looked at was the exchange of our brokenness for his healing. And we spent quite a bit of time on that, especially in one of the services. But from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 5, I want us to read it together. Thank God that he was broken so that you could be whole. The very God of shalom, the very God of wholeness, sanctify you. Keep you separate in your spirit, soul, and body from anything that would hurt, from anything that would harm. May you be kept intact and whole in every area of your life. Any area of brokenness, what do you say? We all take his wholeness. Amen. Amen. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. um, And I'll just quote verse 4 and 5 to you. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Amen. Thank God. Say it with the stripes that wounded him. We are healed and made whole. So if a mind has been broken, he can make it whole again. If a body has been broken, he can make it whole again. Amen. And then the other exchange that we spent quite a bit of time on in the morning service uh, last Sunday was he took our rejection so that we could have his acceptance. Now, how many of you were in the 9 a.m. service this past Sunday? How many of you were in the 9 a.m. service? So there was a number of you that were there, but most of you were not there. 
And then Sunday morning in the second service, we went a completely different direction. You know, sometimes you get inspired and you just got to move in the spirit and say what needs to be said. Amen. But I want to spend just a little while tonight on this fact that he was rejected so that you and I could be accepted. At Calvary, Jesus took our rejection, he took our alienation, and he took it upon himself. And so in exchange, what he gives you and I is complete and utter acceptance by the Father. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Say it with me. My alienation from God, it was nailed to the cross of Christ. Now, I do want to look at this verse. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 9 and 10, and we're going to look at it from the New King James Version. Again, that's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. And we see some awesome truth here from that particular two verses of Scripture. He says, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You who have been called out of darkness should have a praise in your heart, a praise in your mouth. We ought to be praising him in the a.m., praising him in the noontime, praising him all day long. From the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, he is to be praised. And then he goes on to say, who were once not a people, but now we are the people of God. We did not have mercy, but thank God now we have obtained mercy. So we see from this verse, look back at verse 9, if you could bring that up there. We see a few things that we just want to rehearse tonight. Number one, you and I are chosen people. And the fact that we are chosen people means this, that we are completely accepted. He suffered deep rejection so that you can enjoy his acceptance. I love what the Apostle Paul said when he wrote to the church at Ephesus. He said in Ephesians 1, 6, To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he hath made us accepted in the beloved. That's a golden verse of scripture. You see, you are the accepted. You are not the rejected. Satan's trying to make you feel rejected. I guess so, because he is the ultimate reject. He got the boot from glory, and he just wants to bring you down on his level and make you feel all bummed out and insecure. But thank God you and I are accepted in the beloved, raised together with the King of kings and Lord of lords, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen. Shout it with me. I've been accepted. But in the natural realm, we know this to be true. Some of us have done it. Some of you may be doing it right now. But many times people try to earn acceptance, perhaps from their parents, from their peers, or basically from the people that we respect. So people do a lot of crazy things trying to, to reach the status of acceptance. People do crazy things. They buy stuff just so that they can try to fit in. But thank God we're already in. We don't have to try to fit in. We're all in. In Christ Jesus. Christ in us. The hope of glory. We're in Him and He's in us. We don't have to try to get in. We're already in. 
Amen. There used to be a song back in the 70s or 60s, I'm in with the in crowd. Well, you see, in the natural realm, people of the world are trying to get in with the in crowd. Thank God we're not following the crowd. We're following the cloud of glory. And the cloud of glory lives on the inside of us. So we are in with those that are in Christ. Some of you know that tune, don't you? The good news is this, is you have been chosen by God Himself. The question is, why are you? Why am I completely accepted? Well, I like this truth. Because God chose you and chose me before He chose anything else. The Bible says that you have been chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. So that you could stand before Him without blame in holiness and in the love of God. Think of it. Before He chose to make the sun, the oceans, the birds, He chose you. Amen? Thank God. Secondly, Peter says you're a holy nation. You are His own special people. That means that we belong to God. And that means that you and I in Him are extremely valuable. Have you ever thought of what makes something valuable? You know, at auctions, things that belong to celebrities are worth more. Isn't that right? I mean, a car owned by Elvis Presley is worth more than my Cadillac. (laughs) Basketball shoes owned by LeBron James are worth more than Roy's tennis shoes. Roy's tennis shoes may be better. They may be newer. But hey, LeBron James and Roy, that's how the world thinks. But oh, thank God we are valuable in Him. Hallelujah. I mean, if you get a fork used by Pastor Tom Hernandez, you've really got something right there. See what I'm saying to you is the owner adds value to common things. Who do you belong to tonight? We belong to the Lord. In Deuteronomy, he said it like this. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. You are his treasured possession. There is no one that values you more than God. In Isaiah, he says, you are precious to me. Why is it that we're so valuable and precious to him? Well, number one, Jesus gave his life for us. You and I have been bought with a price. Therefore, we are to glorify Him in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. Now, how many of you know that value depends on what someone is willing to pay for it? Is that right? You know, I have a home in Union City. You know how much that home is worth? You know, Zillow may say it's worth this much. The neighbor may say it's worth that much. But my home is only as worth as much as someone's willing to pay for it. Is that right? You may have a baseball card of Willie Mays from way back in the 60s. It's only as valuable as someone is willing to pay for it. And they'll probably pay quite a bit for it. But I want you to know, and the question is, is how much are you worth? I want to point to the cross of Calvary tonight. We're worth this much. Hallelujah. Jesus was nailed to that cross. He was bruised for us. He became rejected so that you and I could be accepted. Amen. Amen. That means that we are eternally loved. 
He says, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. This has profound implications. You are part of the family of God. And God loves you so much. And there's something so wonderful about the love of God. Number one, God's love for you is unconditional. Isn't that good news? He doesn't look at Tony and say, Tony, I love you if. He doesn't look at John over there and say, I love you because. No, he looks at all of his children and he says, I love you, period. I love you, period. It's unconditional. And you know that God has put that same love on the inside of you? That ability to love one another unconditionally in spite of our ithuv? <laughs> Secondly, it is very consistent. The love of God's not fickle. It's not unpredictable. We never need to wake up in the morning and say, I wonder, will God love me today? You see, we get into trouble when we doubt God's love. That's why over and over again in the epistle of 1 John chapter 4, especially from verse 15 to the end of the chapter, meditate on that because it talks about that God is love, you are in Him, and God is in you. And as a result, if you will believe the love that God has to you, it will completely turn all fear out of doors. Amen. So you are eternally loved. So say this with hands lifted in the air. Thank God. He was rejected. So that I may be accepted. The next exchange we want to look at tonight is found in Galatians chapter 3. And notice with me in verse 13. And uh, I don't know that I wrote that down there, but if you could pull that up. Galatians, the third chapter and the 13th verse. Thank you. Now notice this verse of scripture. Let's feed on it for a moment and let's read it together. Ready? Read. Christ has redeemed us. From the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So we can say with complete assurance here tonight that he was made a curse for us. See, without Christ, we were cursed. We were on our way to hell. Without Christ, we had no reason for living. But Jesus on Calvary's cross became a curse for us. Now notice with me in verse 14, and this is good shouting ground tonight. In verse 14, it says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon your life. Your life. Through Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Listen, the blessing is not something that we work for. The blessing is something he bought and paid for. Amen. We are the blessed in the city, the blessed in the field, the blessed coming in, the blessed going out, the blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Hallelujah. And so the blessing is so much bigger than finances. The blessing of God upon your life will get into your body, it'll get into your relationships, it'll get into your life to the degree that you have favor with your employers, you have favor and blessing everywhere where you go. Hallelujah. Say it with me, the blessing of the Lord, the of the Lord empowers, me empowers me to prosper. And the favor of God, 
provides ample opportunity for the blessing of the Lord to overtake me in every area of life. And all these blessings shall come upon you. And they will overtake you if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. So say it with me real strong. He became cursed. And now I am blessed. The next exchange we want to talk about is in close proximity to that. But I think we'll move to the next one because we may end up there tonight. The next exchange we want to look at through the cross of Calvary is our death for his life. Our death for his life. Now look with me at Romans chapter 6. And notice with me in the 23rd verse. And we'll pull that up there in a moment. In Romans the 6th chapter and the 23rd verse. The wages of sin is what? We could say it this way. The price of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many of you know that death is no respecter of rank? Or wealth or talent. You know, one clever person said it like this. The death rate among humans is still stuck at 100%. But you know as well as I do that there is more than one kind of death. When God warned Adam and Eve about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said, for in that day that you eat thereof, Thou shalt surely die. That's in Genesis 2.17. As a matter of fact, let's look at it so that we, our eyes can rest on it tonight. Genesis, the second chapter, and the 17th verse. How many of you saw the blood moons the other night? That's right, we only saw one. But there's more coming, right? I guess I set myself for that one. Signs of the times. Amen. It points to the fact that Jesus is coming soon. Morning, night or noon. He's on his way. Hallelujah. And he's going to descend with a shout. With the trump of the archangel. Hallelujah. And Uncle Harry might rise first because he's already gone home to be with the Lord. But then which are we are alive and remain. We're going to be caught up. To meet the Lord of glory in the air. Hallelujah. The catching away of the church. More about blood moon or blood moons later. Hallelujah. Genesis the second chapter verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat. For in the day that thou eatest thou shalt surely die. Thou shalt surely die. Yet how many of you know when he said that. That they didn't just, you know, after they committed high treason, they didn't drop dead in their tracks when they violated the command. But they died in a myriad of ways. On that day that they violated God's will, death became an inevitability for them and for their billions of offspring yet unborn. 
And Paul clearly lays out a truth in Romans chapter 5. And I want you to notice that with me in verse 12. We want to look at these scriptures tonight. Romans 5 verse 12. He points out very clearly in this chapter. He says, wherefore or therefore, as by one man's sin, as by one man, sin entered into what? How did sin get in? Sin got in through disobedience. Just mark this down, my precious brothers and sisters. Disobedience always opens up the door for the enemy. Amen. That's why he says, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. But by one man's sin, by, by one man, sin entered into the world, and then death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. It is why Jesus came. That is the cause of the cross. At the tree, he made it possible for us to exchange, now listen, our deaths in every form. We can trade our life of walking death for one in which we are fully alive in every way. Do you know that you can be alive and yet be the walking dead? I mean, really, take a look around at the world today. They're going through the motion. They're the walking dead. Something ought to be done. Well, the truth of the matter, something has already been done. And now you and I have the privilege of telling them that they don't have to walk through life filled with death in its manifold forms, but they can receive Jesus and begin to walk in a higher life and walk in newness of life. Say with me, the plan of God for every man is to walk in newness of life. Look at John chapter 10. And notice with me in verse 10. John 10 verse 10. Familiar verse of scripture. I'd like for you to read it with me tonight. Are you ready? Let's read together. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now let's just stop right there. Did Jesus make it plain or did Jesus make it plain? I think it was Lily or Mabel. I'd get inspired and I'd get under the anointing. And she'd say, make it plain, Pastor, make it plain. Well, I thank God that Jesus made it plain. He, he made it very easy to understand the difference between the devil's work and the work of Christ. Anything Jesus saying is that steals and kills and destroys doesn't come from heaven. Every good gift comes from above. It comes from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything good comes from Him in heaven. Everything bad comes from the thief. Hallelujah. I don't know why people can't get that straight. It's easy to see. And so if there's something that's stealing and killing and destroying your life, does that mean you're not saved? No. You can be thoroughly saved, thoroughly filled with the Spirit, and yet the devil can rob from you. 
He's a thief. That's why the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he what? Seeking whom he may devour. You see, we decide whether he may devour us or not. Now, one way that he gets into Christian's life is through a lack of knowledge. The other way that he gets into Christian's lives is different avenues, and we don't even want to open up that can of worms tonight. But I'll tell you something. If there's some thievery taking place in your life, you need to find out where the open door is and shut that door. The Bible does not say, assist the devil and he might flee from you. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Look at your neighbor and say, no more assisting, only resisting. Thank God there's an answer and there's a way to shut the door on that rat. If you had somebody trying to break into your home and the door was left open accidentally, maybe you left the garage door open at night and some thieves got in your living room, I'll tell you what you'd do. You'd rise up. Wouldn't you? You'd rise up. I got a golf club right by my bed. Four. But you'd rise out. Rise up and you would chase that thief out while you're calling 911. Thank God for God's 911. He's given his angels charge over us to keep us in all our way. Well, how'd they get in in the first place? Why do you have to be so introspective? Let's just know and understand this, that you've been authorized in the name of Jesus and by the word of God and by the blood of Jesus. If there's a thief coming against your life, you can rise up against it and you can slam the door shut. So let's look at John 10, 10 again. The thief, it says, cometh not but for to steal, kill, destroy, but I'm come. I've come that you might have life. Life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that you might have it more abundantly. As we defined in recent weeks, that word abundantly means sufficient in quantity and superior in quality. So not only does the blood of Calvary's crucified lamb make us spiritually alive, but it also gives us victory over Satan and removes the sting of death. Where is thy sting, O death? Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I've got to be careful. I want to preach my Easter message right now. As you can tell, I'm fired up. I'm telling you, the Word of God will fire you up. Hallelujah. We're going to have a Holy Ghost explosion Sunday. People are going to be lit up by God's power. People are going to be saved and changed by God's power. You pray for everyone involved in this service. You make sure you make it your daily, daily prayer to pray for pastors of this church. Pray for Pastor Tom, Kimberly, Pastor Mark, and Brenda. Pray that God would give us utterance. Pray that the Word of God would have free course and that we would be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men and we would be delivered from malfunctions in the sanctuary. 
and people's sore throats and people not being able to make it. Thank God He made it for us so that we can make it in His name. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. You see, for the saints who make this great exchange at Calvary, death loses its power to terrify us. No more terror. Hebrews, the second chapter, verse 14 and 15. Let's read. Ready, read. For as much then as the children are, uh, are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might... Think about that. Through death, he destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Now look at the result in verse 15. Read it and shout with me. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Notice that deliverance is already past tense. He delivered you and I. We were so fear-stricken and so terrorized before we came into the kingdom of God. It's not even funny. But He delivered us. Now notice, through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So the fear of death does not liberate a spirit or a soul. The fear of death enslaves one. Is that right? Now listen to these statements tonight as we prepare to close. All fears have their root in the fear of death. As we said it earlier, death is more than physical death. Is it not? Spiritual death, for example, a person that does not know the Lord and is separated from God, it involves separation, does it not? But any fear, any death, and fear of death you can think of involves a fear of losing something or being separated from something that you desire. How many of you know that fear of natural death is basically the fear of being separated from your physical life? Or from something you want or someone that you love? It all comes from the pit and the root is the fear of death. But Jesus has delivered us from the fear of death. Death is not a friend. Death is an enemy. How many of you know that the fear of flying, the fear of driving, the fear of crowds, the fear of cats, the fear of dogs? Today, people are afraid of hogs. Or the fear of tight places. Everything. Any, any kind of fear that you can think of, listen, has its root in the fear of death. I'm afraid of being separated. I'm afraid of losing something in the area of jobs. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my job because if I lose my job, I'll lose my money. If I lose my money, I'll lose my house. And the enemy just enlarges everything. How many of you know he's a master at imaginations? He's a master at bringing his thoughts and causing something that was a test to become even a bigger test and a bigger mountain to where all you can see 
is being separated from something. That is why we just drive it home year after year through the fabric of the word of faith and through the overcoming message of the cross and through the power of the resurrection that you do not have to fear. Because Jesus said, when he blasted out of hell, he took the keys of hell and death. And he says, I'm alive forevermore. And I've got the keys of hell and death. And then he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of God. Now, whatever you bind is bound. I'm telling you, fear is nothing to fool with. It's nothing to talk about. It's nothing to think about. That's why in Corinthians, Paul says, look, the weapons of your warfare, they're not carnal. They're not fleshly in their origination, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then he says, you take those imaginations and you cast them down. You don't think about them one minute longer. You don't speak them. You don't act on them. But you cast them down. And any high thing, any high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God's word, you simply tie a rope of the word of God around Satan's neck and just (laughs) choke that enemy and haul him over to the word and say, Devil, you see what this says? It says, by his stripes I'm healed. Devil, can you read? If you can't read, I'll quote it for you. My God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You just tie it around his neck, drag him over to the word, and just stick his face in it. And then you take your sword out and you (laughs) cut his head off. (laughs) Hallelujah. Pretty graphic, right? Well, he's graphic. He's showing you all these pictures. Trying to make himself so bad. Talking trash. Don't talk trash with the devil. Talk the word. Don't talk to the devil on his level. It's too low of a level for you. You're a child of God. You talk the word, you say the word, and the word will always overcome the fear of death. Jesus took our death so that we could have his life. The Bible said in him was life and the life was the light of man. For as the father had life in himself, so has he given the son to have life in himself. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. My son, attend to my words, for they are life to those that find them and they are health to all their flesh. Let the entrance of his light and the entrance of his life enter into your heart. And when the test comes, you just open up your mouth for out of the abundance of the heart heart the mouth will speak and your words will speak life your words will speak light and it will always dispel death and it will always dispel darkness for you are an overcomer because the greater one lives in you let's stand up everybody and give him praise tonight glory to god i want to shout thank you lord hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. I've written in this in my notes. Faith brings freedom. 
Which is why the devil works so hard to keep Christians in fear and out of faith. If he can't take a person to hell, he will at least try to keep that person bound up, paralyzed, and ineffective as a witness, as a Christian witness. But if any Christian ever gets hold of the word of faith and the liberty that faith brings, the devil knows he's in trouble. Is the devil in trouble in your life? When trouble comes, Creflo Dollar said years ago, don't be moved by the trouble. In the world, you're going to have some trouble. He said, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world, Jesus said. But I'll never forget how Creflo said this way back in the 90s. He said, when trouble comes, you as a spirit-filled Christian ought to just trouble your trouble. He's the troublemaker. And he gets extremely troubled when you have an arsenal of weaponry that you use against him. The word, the name, the blood. This is how we overcome. Let's raise our hands in response to the word. Thank you, Master, for the great exchange. I pray that the saints tonight are encouraged not just to hear a good message, but to be doers thereof. When the test comes, may we all speak words of life, words of health, words of strength, and words of prosperity. Lord, we glorify you this night in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.